Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard, and I'm with my, my amazing wife, Elizabeth Richard. <laughs> Elizabeth Richard. <laughs> and so tonight we're going to talk about the subject tonight is Has Jesus really changed his prophetic tone for 2021? And the reason I want to talk about this is because I heard a couple of well-known uh, people in the, the realm of the prophetic uh, saying in interviews and broadcasts where they were invited to speak, uh, they, they heard uh, prophecies from the Lord and they were sharing that with the audience. But they said that they were surprised because to them, and that, that's two different people on two different platforms. But they said they were surprised because they felt like, the Lord's tone is changing. He's becoming more stern or more, um, a little bit more um, severe, if you will, or a little bit more um, kind of uh, I I mean it. And uh, you know when you know when when you have children, they say don't don't make me stop that car when they're in the back going. So, and I it, it kind of surprised me because and here's the thing I was observing about that with Elizabeth and we always like exchanging whatever we hear we bounce it off each other and always discuss these things and we we have three kids and it's funny because I'm a regular dad and with my three kids I don't have the same tone I don't talk the same way to Jason that I talk to Marissa or that I talk to Caitlin why because my three kids interpret interpret or or receive what I say in very different ways for example I know if I take the same tone that I take with my older son Jason with Katie she would maybe cry now I know she's very <laughs> she's very very sensitive and and I know I have to adapt my tone with Katie uh, to tell her something that I would tell Jason a very different way and that's not because I love them any less. I love one more or the other less, or it doesn't have anything to do with my love, but it has to do with, it doesn't have it to do either with me changing. I stay the same. I'm still Sebastian. I'm still their dad. It has to do with the fact that they're different. And I think that all of us in the body are very different in our, how we relate to the Lord. And some people... Uh, love, love, love apocalyptic literature. They're going to love the book of Daniel. They, 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 they love reading about the, this, this end times fire and, and destruction happening, and it excites their faith. I mean, I used to be like that a lot. Like when I was, especially when I was younger, I would read these books by Hal Lindsey, Late Great Planet Earth, and get excited. It would excite my faith. Some other person would have read that book, would have been depressed for five weeks because they're like, man, this is all about doom and gloom. Me, it was exciting. I was, I was like, whoa, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. This is amazing. This is so exciting. <laughs> but see, same message, two different reactions. And I think that there's a lot of that in the body. And, and unfortunately, we tend to judge other people according to how we are. And we have to be careful with that. So I understand that for some, they might interpret this as the Lord is changing his tone because the time is dire. I think we're at a time, and Liz, you'll you'll probably agree with that. I gave you that illustration, and you did agree. Uh, let's say you're outside in the front uh, front yard, 
and you have a three-year-old toddler that starts running in the direction of the street right when there's a, a truck coming. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be like, honey, sweetheart, watch it. There's a truck coming. Or are you going to be <laughs> like, hey, come on. <laughs> you're going to be a little more intense, right? I mean, you're probably going to scream your heart out, scream their name. But see, so that they some halt. people would argue yeah. that you're human and that God <laughs> is always in his composure and his calm you know, way of speaking. Well, that's like saying that God doesn't have any emotions mm-hmm. or that Jesus, the Lord Jesus doesn't have any emotions. Uh, and I don't think that's who our Lord is. I mean, we, I, I've, I know that he has a sense of humor because he once told me something in a, in a dream, kind of dream. Uh, yeah, it was a dream. Uh, he told me something and it was funny. He was, he meant it as a joke. Like he was being sarcastic kind of with me. And, and so I know he has a sense of humor. So if he has a sense of humor, he also has a sterner side. Yeah. Uh, and he also has and we're a made, soft... We're made in his image, right? And we're made in his so image. So we're, we're very much alike. So humans have, you know, we have anger, we have joy, we have love, we have all these, you know, emotions. So exactly. it just makes sense that God does as well. But I want to add something, you know, when we, we started this conversation, I really felt that the Holy Spirit was showing me that, you know, with the, the situation where we're headed, where the enemy is really trying, he knows his, his time is short. The enemy is really trying to, um, you know, get as many people as he can to come with him to hell, basically, and um, try to crush the body of Christ in the process because he hates us, uh, if we're honest. So, Um, You know, knowing all this and knowing that he's trying to up his game, the Lord can't let us defend, leave us defenseless. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot about what's going to happen now. Um, And, you know, I talked about this in my uh, prophecy with the tidal wave is coming is that, yes, there is going to be shaking. There is going to be things that the enemy is going to try to uh, throw in our face, you know, to get us, um, and uh, to, to shake our faith so that we're not in faith. You know, that's the, the games that he likes to play. And so if the Lord doesn't warn the body of Christ through the, the prophetic words, you know, some of you may have dreams and visions. We've had some um, warning us of these things. And, you know, in the, the body of Christ, well, you have people that are uh, that have prophetic words that are getting these messages about shaking and exposure and, you know, the Lord wanting to expose um, you know, what's happening, you know, even in the church, that there are false prophets, that there are people, um, you know, that have been um, leading, <clears throat> sorry, leading big ministries that perhaps haven't been le- leading uh, a with godly integrity. life with yeah. an integrity. And, um, you know, the Lord is tired of that. He wants the body of Christ to be looking at him and to to really um, you know, seek him in these days and get closer to him. So, you know, it's, it's gonna, he's gonna use whatever happens right now to, um, to allow this, you know, um, whatever the enemy uses, I don't think he's going to, um, you know, let us get hurt in the process, but, you know, there, for there to be revival, there has to be shaking. And so he has to allow it to happen Mm -hmm. so that we seek his face and that those that are supposed to be saved, uh, will get saved, right? So mm-hmm. that's that's what's the most important thing. Not 
living our pretty, you know, wonderful little lives full of bliss. Like what's more important is, you know, when these people die, where are they going? You know, and, and that's what matters, the salvation of people. So, you know, the Lord knows where the, this is all going and he knows how much time we have and he knows the acceleration and all that. And that's why I really believe that now he's not, you know, before we, we saw him speaking to the watchman for many years in yeah. a strong prophetic voice yes. about things that were going to, going to take place and calamities and, and judgment and this and that. And they were, they were seeing clearly, like they, yeah. they prophesied a lot of things that did happen. And, and then you had the prophetic world, which was more about glory and about all the positive that God is doing. And they're right too, because God was doing a lot of positive things Absolutely. where, where he was invited. Right. And so now it's like God is trying to unite both of these camps together. And it's not an easy transition <laughs> because there's so such different groups. And, and uh, exactly. And so I, I think it's like because God God wants Christ wants his body ready for yeah. what's coming. And, both and we are all are part of the same both body are needed of right now. See, uh, the remnant, they're rough around the edges. They they need that that. Uh, more the glorious side that the prophetic brings with uh, the encouragement and all that. We mm -hmm. need that. Uh, but on the other hand, the, the prophetic can can sometimes be a little too uh, um, not warrior-like enough. They think they're warriors, but they're not really warriors. They, they, it's kind of cute, uh, their, their thing, the way they have it going. But the remnant kind of brings that edge where well, they're they, going to... Because they do it in interceding. Well, so they, yeah, exactly. They, they practice spiritual warfare in that realm yeah but but it's it's not we're we're talking i think the the remnant are better equipped to deal with war in the physical it's in gonna, the physical in the yeah. physical when, Preparing when things when things start really shaking i think the remnant are going to be uh the people that that we're going to turn to and go like okay what now like what do we do now uh because it's going to be it's going to be nice to have the prophetic telling us what God's doing now, but it's also going to have nice to be to have the remnant saying, "Well, here's what we should do in the natural. Here's what we how should well, we should yeah, prepare and, or spin this or whatever." Yeah, and this is why both worlds have to go together because the remnant, uh, a lot of them don't even know how to do spiritual warfare, and so you know it is a battle of the spirits. That that is the ultimate thing. But also we have to be prepared in the physical and prepared mentally to not be completely like, you know, if, if, if we're in prophecy and we're not really saying what God is saying because we don't want to shake people up and we don't want to ruffle their feathers, we don't upset them. we're not doing them a favor no because if we know a tidal wave is coming and they're not prepared, then what happens when there's just a bit of shaking like now we had a little a little bit of shaking with the election and people, a lot of them are like, I don't know where to put my faith. I don't know anymore. I don't even yeah. believe in prophets anymore. And all this is a big yo-yo when, you know, in reality, the prophets didn't get it wrong because God's will it was. Well, there was 75 million <laughs> votes cast for Trump. So yeah. technically so God's will. Won. Yeah, exactly. Technically he won. Exactly. He won the votes. So they're not lying. Um, you know, what takes place in the physical? Well, we talked about that in the previous broadcast. Um, we don't believe that it's over, but all this to say, but I don't want to get back to yeah, that. No. All this to say is that we, we prepared a teaching because we think that this is really important for people 
to really understand who they serve. And, and, that and God is the serve, same uh, yesterday, today, and forever. We serve a, a, a Jesus full of love, a, a God of love, but we also serve a, a warrior God, a Jesus warrior. And I know a lot of people have a hard time seeing that, yeah. but Jesus has a lot of authority. And, you know, I know that a lot of times when he spoke to me, it's, it's not a, you know, for me, it's it's not always a lovey, lovey, dovey voice. You know, oftentimes it's more with spoken with authority. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important that you guys understand the side of God so that you understand, you know, that you serve a big God that's there for you. And, you know, he's he's on your side. He's fighting the enemy on your behalf, even if you don't see what's happening in the spiritual realm. Amen to that. And, you know, the God of the Old Testament uh, we often perceive him more in that warrior-like um, Yahweh Sabaoth, the, the Lord of armies. Uh, and, and yet he's the same. He hasn't changed. So it's not because Jesus came and, and his persona was more loving. It, it doesn't mean the, that the God of the Old Testament wasn't loving. It just means a different tone for different seasons for different reasons. Yeah. And uh, and the, the, he never changes tone. It, it, that's in the sense that he's, he's still the same. He's the same yesterday, uh, today, and forever. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to look in the New Testament at the sayings of Jesus. And this is, see, the title was, Has Jesus Really Changed His Prophetic Tone for 2021? And the answer is no, he hasn't really. And I was going to title it, The Top 10 Hardest Sayings of Jesus, to prove that point. And that's what we're going to look at right now. We're going to look at the top 10 in my opinion, this is not universal. Some people might find other sayings harder than what I, I've listed. But I have listed, in my opinion, the top 10 hardest, some would even say badass sayings of Jesus. Okay? So, number one. And number one is one I really like. Buy a sword. Yes, Jesus really did say that. And you can do all the theological gymnastics you want around that verse. It's still there. And the proof that it's there is that when he got arrested, what did Peter do? He took what? His sword. He was carrying it on him. Guess what? He had a sword with him. So they did obey him when he said that. It wasn't just like allegorical, buy a sword. If you don't have a sword, sell your cloak. I'm going to read to you the verse, by the way. It's in Luke 22, 36. This is what Jesus Which said. Which means he actually does expect you to be able to defend yourself. Amen. If, if the need arises in good judgment, because when Peter took out his sword, yeah. it was not in good judgment and it was not the time for that. Mm -hmm. And Jesus rebuked him for <laughs> it. And he had to stick the guy's ear back in place. Okay. <laughs> that Which just goes to prove how agile Peter was with the sword. He probably trained hours a day. Not really, no. So uh, Luke twenty two thirty six, Jesus said to them, but now because he's sending them out okay he's sending all the disciples out and that means and, and this is here's the context also i want uh, to people to understand the context he was sending the disciples out to evangelize to preach the gospel of the kingdom and back then when you travel on the road there were thieves that would hide among the clefts of the rocks and wait for lone travelers mm -hmm. and that's why he sent them two by two he said to the disciples go two by two so if they're two yeah. they have a lesser risk of being attacked and he told them but now if you have a purse take it and also a bag and if you don't have a sword sell your cloak and buy one so jesus was thinking 
these guys need to know how to protect themselves. They need to have something in case something happens. Yeah. He was looking ahead. He was looking forward. And he was, he was a practical. Jesus was practical. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just all. See, this is what makes me laugh it's today. Realistic, yeah. Yeah, the church today, we're we're always like, uh, I don't know, we're living on a cloud nine somewhere. There's nothing wrong with owning a firearm to protect your family. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are like, no, God will protect me if ever thinks that He's going to put me in a bubble and 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 they'll float away. And that's great because I do believe that God can intervene in incredible supernatural ways on our behalf when we're stuck. Yeah. But at the same time, I do believe that God expects us to do what we need to do and what we can do to prepare. Okay. So I, I think we need that balance. So or at the, least no self-defense or something. Well, no something. To help yourself. Or have something to, to, to defend your home with. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is what the words of the Prince of Peace by a sword. I mean, it was very, very down to earth, very practical. And there was a context to it, of course. Number two, number two, speaking of swords, speaking of swords, number two, Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace. And it's funny because whenever I tell that to non-believers, that Jesus said that about himself, I have not come to bring peace. They're all in shock, but they're even more in shock when I expand on what the verse, the, the complete verse says. So the complete verse is in Matthew 10, 34 to 36, where Jesus says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. See, I said, speaking of swords. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the, mem the members of his own household. And you know, that that was really, you know, when I was younger, I read that verse and I was kind of shocked because, you know, I was raised in a, a Christian family where, you know, we loved each other and, you know, we, um, you know, followed what the Bible said and we were a close, close enough family. Um, you know, it wasn't perfect, but overall it was a Christian family. And so for me, it was like, well, why like that goes against what I've been learning in church that mm -hmm. God wants us to be in peace and love each other and do good things for each other. And, and then, you know, love our neighbors and it's all love, love, love. And so that didn't make any sense until I got older and the closer I got to, um, to the Lord and the, the more that I followed his ways and, you know, would be obedient to the Holy Spirit when he would tell me to do a certain thing or live a certain lifestyle. You know, when you make those decisions, um, you know, to other believers in your household that maybe are um, less. Um, how should I say this? You know, there's there's a lot of views like Christianity is could be very watered down for some people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and I saw this come to life as I made uh, decisions for myself and and we made decisions for ourselves to, to follow the Lord and one of those decisions were, was to move away and that was difficult you know our family found that very difficult that we really felt the leading of the Lord in this and they didn't understand why mm. would the Lord want you to leave and so you know there was there was a lot of things that that unfolded and um you know through the years i've seen how that can easily happen because not everybody stays uh on fire for god 
right? And so the more on fire you are for God in your walk, the more division and, you'll and see. And the more that other members of your family are more watered down Christians or more lukewarm. Or non-believers. Or, or even non-believers, that is going to create a sword. It is going to create a, a riff and you're going to, you're going to experience it. You know, even when it comes to politics, like you might, you know, be on the side of, uh, the conservatives that are more, uh, you know, following the the biblical standards, and you might have a sister or brother that's completely, you know, on the left side, completely liberal, and you know, and that's difficult to deal with as well. Right? And I like that you bring that up uh, about the politics side. I'm just going to do a little short parenthesis before we move we move on. I saw a meme on Facebook, and it was very insightful. What it says, uh, it said the question: So you're willing to lose friends and family over politics? Mm -hmm. And the answer was, uh, I no, I'm willing to lose friends and family over morals. There's a difference. Yeah, and, and I think this is uh, pretty much what what's said here about the the Jesus Jesus bringing a sword, not bringing peace, but bringing a sword. Uh, like Elizabeth said, when you're on fire for God, it's going to bring you to make decisions uh, for yourself or your family that will not make sense, especially to non-believers. Mm -hmm. They'll think you're completely whack job. Uh, but your, your own family, even if they are believers, they have a different, uh, walk with God, a different yeah. calling, a different view of what the Bible requires or doesn't require or whatnot. And, and sometimes your decisions will not make sense to, to their walk. And sometimes their decisions will not make sense to your walk and there can have some bad friction, mm -hmm. uh, as a result. So yeah, Jesus said and, he didn't come to bring And peace. you know, with what's coming in the in the end times, that's gonna be way more obvious because you're really gonna have a division where you're gonna have Christians that are on fire for God and others that are completely cold and lukewarm and just wanna conform to the world and follow the government and whatever it is that that's going on that's completely immoral. You're really gonna have that very obvious. Mm. And as we, we move on to number three of the top 10 hardest sayings of Jesus, I have to put you in context. This particular saying is in the context of a parable where Jesus is talking about himself, okay? So in the parable, he's talking about a king, and the king is him. So, but it's still very shocking when you read it because you're like, whoa, okay, this is not baby Jesus. This is not a mm -hmm. uh, hippie Jesus sitting down with little kids on his knee, like petting them and saying that he loves little children. This is a whole, like something we, we can't hardly conceive. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Okay, so here's what he said. It's The parable is, is found in Luke 19. And uh, he's very uncompr uncompromising. The verse is, uh, Luke 19, 27, and it says in the end of the parable, but those enemies of mine, that's the king speaking, King Jesus, who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. What? Yeah, I know. And it, it's kind of funny because uh, one day I was listening to a debate and i love this thing to debates because you learn a lot and the, the, this particular debate was over was it over the divinity of christ i don't remember i know it was between a, a, an islamic imam a scholar from islam and a christian scholar 
and they were uh, disputing uh, things about Jesus and Muhammad, or I don't remember exactly what it was. But I know that the Islamist knew his Bible very well. It was very interesting. He brought this verse out because the Christian was accusing the, uh, the, the, the Muslim, saying his religion was a religion of war and very uh, uh, <laughs> warlike and very brutal and all that. And the Muslim were like, oh, really? Well, let's just take this verse here about your Jesus. <laughs> and then he quotes this. And it was funny to me because I was like, if you know your Lord, you embrace all of him. That's part of the warrior Jesus, the Jesus that's uncompromising, the Jesus that says there's only one way to the Father and it's me. That's the Jesus we're talking about here, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and, and so the Christian, it was like he, he didn't know what to say. It's like... And he probably had read that. I mean, he knew his Bible. He, mm -hmm. he was a scholar. But for some reason, when confronted with that aspect of the persona of Jesus, he was not able to run with it and get back with a retort that would have yeah. kept the debate going. He kind of lost the debate there. It was kind of sad because I was rooting for him. <laughs> but I had to give the point to the Muslim. I was like, whoa, that was good, man. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what's interesting about debates. It makes you see different points of view. And it's very, very, uh, it makes you think it's good stuff. So that's in there, Luke 19. Go read it, the parable about the uh, the king. I don't have the whole context, but uh, I like the way it ends. Luke 19, 27. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Ouch. Number four. Number four. That's another very controversial passage. And I, and I don't have time to go deep into the theology of each of these passages because it would take too long. Okay? You forgive me, Liz? You no, think, it's okay. Do you Go. think they're going to forgive, forgive me about that? I hope mm -hmm. so. <laughs> <laughs> so I titled this one, Not Right to Give to the Dogs. So uh, while most of us like treating our dogs like members of the family, back in biblical times, dogs were not very well perceived. In fact, if you read the, the scriptures, usually dogs are a very filthy and dirty animal that they don't like. Actually, when I consider my dog from that point of view, from that culture, I kind of look at my dog and go like, why did we buy a dog? Anyway. So... Uh, it's about the Canaanite woman. And you guys probably remember the story. Uh, this woman has a daughter that's sick and she wants help. And uh, she she pleads with Jesus to, to, to heal her daughter. But the, 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 the apostle, it says in the whole story that the apostles are really like annoyed with her. And they're telling Jesus, send her away. She's annoying us. And back then there was a, a big, um, um, not rivalry, but kind of a, of a, disdain of the Canaanites by the Israelites. And so, so they, they had a disdain of that of them. And so the, the apostles are saying to, saying to Jesus, send her away, send her away. And uh, finally, the woman came and knelt before him, uh, Lord Jesus. And she says, Lord, help me. She said, he replied, Jesus replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. So you're like, did Jesus just call her a dog? Wait a minute. Jesus said, because he said, look, I, I'm, I've been sent only for the, 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 the people of Israel. And uh, this is not, I'm not supposed to be working, like trying to help you here. So uh, yeah, in a way he kind of called her a dog, but that Canaanite woman, she came back with the, probably one of the best retorts in the whole new Testament. I just love what she said. It was so good. But uh, so what you need to understand is back then, the Canaanites, they were reviled by the Israelites uh, 
because of the curse of Ham. Okay, the curse of Ham, you have to go back in Genesis and understand Noah had three kids, uh, uh, Seth, Ham, and Japheth. And the curse of Ham, it's found in, it's found in Genesis 9, 20 to 27. And, and I don't want to go too deep into that. But uh, it's, it's pretty bad what happened there. Uh, Noah got drunk. And it says that uh, um, Ham saw the nakedness of his father. And now the nakedness could be interpreted uh, um, many different ways. Some think he just he was just naked, that Noah was drunk and he was naked, and, and Ham saw him naked. Uh, but it can be interpreted in other more uh, gruesome ways uh, that have a sexual act. In, in I won't go in details here, but <laughs> it has a sexual act uh, included in that that might have happened with Noah or with Noah's wife. So it was a really bad uh, deed that Ham did. And Noah, when he came back to, when he came out of his drunkenness, was really upset about what happened. And uh, so he awoke from his wine and knew that his younger son had what he had done to him. And he said, cursed be Canaan. So a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of Shem and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth and he shall dwell in the tent of Shem and Canaan shall be his servant. So he cursed Canaan, which was the son of Ham. So he cursed the descendants of, of uh, Ham. And the Canaanites, as you can imagine, they were that people. And that's why the Israelites didn't like them. And they treated them very poorly. So this woman came back to Jesus and she says, okay, Lord, you said that it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. I get that. And yet the dogs, they stay around the table. And when there's crumbs that fall off, they eat the crumbs. So I just, I'm just asking for the crumbs. And Jesus says, wow, okay. So because of your faith, uh, go, your daughter is healed. So mm -hmm. I like that. I like how she came back, but it's really strange uh, when we think that, that Jesus treats everybody equal all the time and all that, that he would have given her that retort. And I know a lot of people uh, try to theologize and do all kinds of theological gymnastics there, but it's still in our scriptures. It's still there in the gospels. And it, it's kind of a hard saying of Jesus for sure. Yeah. Anything, you add, anything you want to add to that? No. Okay. Well, I mean, we, we know that God takes sin very seriously. And, and back then, um, you know, things were different in the Old Testament. Well, seed lines the were very important. Were very... The standards were very high uh, for the seed line because the Messiah had not yet come. And uh, that's why when God chose Noah, it says he, he chose Noah. Noah was perfect in his generations, plural, mm -hmm. which meant that Noah was a pure human being. And I'm not going to get into the whole uh, what happened with the, the Genesis 6, the giants and all that. <laughs> but there was a lot of um, hybridization back then that affected the human DNA. And God, when God makes a creature, uh, he he he, um, he makes them a very particular way. He's a, he's an artist. He's a fine artist, and he wants purity. the gene pool. He wants purity. He wants the gene pool to stay pure, mm -hmm. and he wanted human beings to stay human beings. And there was a lot of hybridization, and that's partly why he sent the flood. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into that. But Noah was pure and perfect in his generations, and that was something that was very important for the coming of Messiah because God had a plan. It, it was a long plan that spanned centuries until Jesus would come. But Jesus needed to be a perfect human. And if uh, the plan, if everybody would have been hybridized at the time of Jesus' coming, Jesus would have had a problem. 
uh, not Jesus. God would have had a problem before he sent Jesus. It would have been like, well, uh, you know, they, 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 they messed up again. They did exactly yeah. as in the days of Noah. They, they messed everything up again. So mm -hmm. he wanted to make sure that these, the seed lines stayed pure until Messiah came. It was very important. Number five, the woes to the scribes and Pharisees. As you know, the scribes and the Pharisees were the worst enemies of Jesus while he was doing his ministry on earth for this three and a half years. They were following him everywhere he went. They always sent a delegation to spy on him, to record what he would say, to record what he would do, to test him, to, 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 to confront him publicly. They they dogged him. They they never let him go. They were so annoying. Sort and of like Nancy Pelosi with Trump. <laughs> Have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Sort of like that. That yeah. makes me think of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They're probably our ancestors anyway. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so in this passage, uh, in Matthew chapter 23, if you want to read something that's going to blow your mind about like how Jesus ran into them like a truck, he had had enough. In this particular instance, he had had enough. And it's all recorded for our benefit in Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 39. And it's, of course, it's too long to go through. But he called them, oh, so many things. It's just like too long to go through. Uh, uh, some notable excerpts, okay? Verse 33. You snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? That's pretty hard. We don't really expect Jesus to speak like that, and yet he did. How can you escape the fires of hell, he told them. Do you think Jesus actually prayed for his enemies, uh, these guys? He said that we should pray for our enemies. Do you think he actually prayed for the Pharisees? Interesting, interesting. He was perfect, but uh, at that time he had had enough. And if you want to read it, Matthew 23, uh, verses 1 through 39, man, it's a whopper. It's like, whoa, the line of Judah is awakened before his time. <laughs> there was something else. Number six, I never knew you. Now, if there's a few words you never want to hear, those are the words you don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. I never knew you. Uh, see, one belief that we that people tend to have, Christians or non-Christians alike, is that Jesus loves everybody. Well, there are... Definitely some major nuances that need to be made here. And we see in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. Here's what we read. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons. Mm -hmm. And in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Mm -hmm. Other versions say, away from me, you workers of lawlessness or you workers of iniquity, which means who are without law, you yeah. who are without law. And I think this is a stern warning, a very stern warning to the church today even, uh, when we say that the law has been done away with. Mm -hmm. 
uh, got to be very careful with that. God really cares about laws. The Ten Commandments does. are still standing today, and you cannot teach otherwise, or else you're going to be in, in a very bad spot when you come before the Lord. And uh, that's why he still cares a lot about what happens in our governments. Absolutely. Absolutely. God, God cares about our laws mm -hmm. and he cares to see that our laws align with his laws. That's yep. what righteous government is. And it's very important to any nation. But mm -hmm. lawlessness is something that Jesus uh, abhorred. And it's also repeated in Matthew chapter five, verses 17 and 19, if I'm not mistaken, where he says that he has not come to abolish the law or the prophets, but mm -hmm. to accomplish, uh, which uh, confirms what Paul tells us, that the law, is, uh, that what David says uh, also, that the law is just and perfect. The law is just and perfect. So uh, you got to be careful with, uh, of course, we know that all everything pertaining to sacrifices has been, done, that part has been done away with. We know that because Jesus Christ was the final and perfect yeah. sacrifice of God and praise God for that. But uh, there's a lot of components to the law, the Torah, the first five books uh, of Moses that we need to read with a lot of discernment because there's still a lot of things in there that uh, that make for a good and righteous living. Anyway, I'm just saying that. Number seven, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I see, like I said, these are tough sayings of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that one is in Revelation. So we get to see in Revelation a risen, victorious, and powerful Jesus. And he does not, he does not mince his words. So when addressing the seven churches of Asia Minor, he says to the church of Laodicea, and to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because of your lukewarm, uh, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, <laughs> I know, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may uh, not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. In other words, he was saying you were you're blind. You think you're you're rich. You think you're you're something, but you're nothing. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So he gives them that chance to repent. He gives that church that chance to repent. But man, what a stern warning to not be lukewarm. God prefers us cold, disengaged, or completely hot, but lukewarm Christians. And, and I'm sorry to say, I think there's a lot of those. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of those. Ask any pastor uh, to take an inventory, a percentage of his church, uh, 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 of those who are completely cold, who come maybe once every three months, six months, and those who are completely hot on fire, and, and the rest. And he'll tell you that the rest is probably 90%. 
Yeah. And I'm and I'm not being mean here. I'm not I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings or step on any any toes. But I think it's a big problem. Uh, there's a lot of lukewarmness. It's a huge frustration frustration for many uh, pastors, many oh, yeah. church leaders, because um, and it's like that in in ministry. It's like that in corporations, organizations. It's like that everywhere. There's that because that ten percent that, that that's you got your slackers, and you got the other five percent that are your like your your a a one people. Yeah, and you got that eighty to ninety percent in the middle. They're just like, eh. yeah. What you gonna and do? Because it, it's it's very difficult to make them move in a certain direction, so they're fruitless. They're they're not producing any fruit, so they're just dead weight basically. Um, in a in a corporation, let's say if we're looking at that in the body of Christ, well, unfortunately, they're not fruitful either, and they're not either getting you know um, people saved, or they're not even doing any good to their neighbors they watch or to the, anybody they watch the movies so of the world they, they, they watch the christian. entertainment of the world they do the they're, things they're of the scared world scared of saying to people that they're a christian they're afraid of their faith on social media so, they never mm -hmm. post anything about god because they're afraid to offend yeah it's so the, not, these kind of christians no unfortunately are very fruitless and to the body of christ don't produce anything they don't add value to anybody and um it's it's very difficult for the lord to do anything with those people. And, you know, it's frustrating. I could imagine for him because, you know, he died on the cross for them so that they can have salvation and, and their best thank you is, well, thank you for the salvation. Now I'm in the door. So I'm good. I don't have to do anything. I said the prayer. Yeah, greasy grace. kind uh, of. I'm, uh... I'm good. It's all good. And, uh, you know, I'll just like not do anything bad with my life. I won't kill anybody. I'm just going to, say the truth and try to follow the 10 commandments. I should be good. I should, you know, read my Bible a little bit and uh, it's good. And there's another stern warning that kind of goes along with that. And it's um, where Jesus says, says uh, that, that those who, who fail to recognize him publicly, mm -hmm. he will also deny in front of the father. So in other words, if you don't want to publicly say the Lord is my Lord, Jesus Christ is my Lord publicly, Jesus Christ before the Father will 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 not recognize you. So yeah. that's that's another stern one. I could have put it there. It's not there, but I'm just reminding you guys of that. And you know, I'm not telling you like to become a missionary or a pastor or something. No. But you know, there's a difference between a non-fire Christian that's going to be verbal about his faith, at least so that the people that he encounters on a regular basis will know about his faith and have a chance to get saved. Uh, as opposed to a closet Christian closet that yeah. just, you know, hides everything, scared to even pray at work, you know, doesn't even mention that he goes to church. And when people talk about morals or values, he doesn't say a word where he stands. I mean, any on fire Christian, uh, I, you know, <laughs> from high school to any job I did, knew people knew I was saved because, you know, any topic you're talking about, it it shows if you're a Christian or not. You know, if if you're if you've been at a job for over a year and they don't know you're a Christian, shame I, on you. I, Honestly, shame on you. Whoa! I yeah, was, was going to say more like, uh, look at yourself in the mirror and, and see if the shame on you because I'll tell you now today with the like we're you know thirty years ago it was easy to hide like it was not that obvious but today with the way corruption has become. I mean, all the conversations nearly at the cafeteria, most of them are filthy. So 
you know, it's very easy for a Christian today to not laugh at those jokes and just kind of go away and people go, why you don't want to be part of this conversation, you know, and, and they laugh and stuff. And so it's very easy for you to say, no, I just, you know, I don't do swearing or, uh, you know, I don't talk about men in that way or women in that way and whatnot. And we don't, so, I mean, it always comes out and, to and the but, surface. But we're not saying to, to have a, a self-righteous attitude. You can always do it in grace or, or do it. There's a way to do these yeah, things. Okay? You can say it politely. There's but a I way mean, to do these things. I, but at the same worked, time, people need to know yeah. that when you're around, these jokes, uh, maybe they should abstain. In other words, your presence should sanctify the atmosphere mm -hmm. and they should be th uh, biting their tongues uh, about this kind of stuff when you're around, you know what I mean? So you should have that a positive impact, uh, and, but you should always be encouraging kind, courteous with everybody, uh, helping, um, doing more than your fair share, showing an, an example of how a work, uh, yeah. as, as a hard worker, but, but, and not being self-righteous, but being, um, being bold for your faith. And, 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 uh, I, I, uh, my mother-in-law, she, she did that. She said that once, and I thought that was spot on. She said, uh, um, she's a Christian, and she said someone was uh, was taking the Lord's name in vain in front of her. And she says, how dare you speak of the one who saved me in that way? Mm -hmm. Whoa. The person was like, ooh. Okay, so from that point on, the person knew, okay, I can't, I can't talk like that when she's around. Because <laughs> Jesus means something to her. And I like that. Yeah, I think, and I thought, sometimes I thought, it's I thought just that was even good. a look. You know, I, I've worked in shops where there were men that were cussing all the time. And when I was present and I just gave them a look like it bothers me. Well, you and know? they knew better. And they knew better. They knew better. They just, by, just by how you, she conducted herself, because I, I, we've worked together for some years. And just by the way she conducted herself, they knew when Elizabeth was around that some stuff shouldn't come out. And, and I like that. I thought that that meant uh, that had great weight about her character. Hey, let's keep going. Yes, because we have to finish our 10 points. Yes, we have to finish our 10 points because they're so good. Number eight. I tease him because he's very, you know, by the book with everything. Go on. You need me. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight. How long will I put up with you? What? Did Jesus really say that? Yes, it did. <laughs> so I asked you again, has he changed his tone? I, I think he speaks more softly now than he did back when he was on earth. Anyway, uh, so in this passage, uh, Jesus really gets annoyed with both the people who came to him and with the incompetence of his own disciples. <laughs> and the passage is found in Matthew 17, verses 14 to 20. And here's how it reads. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. So Jesus replied, sure, let me help you. No, that's not what he said. He said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus, so he was kind of worked up. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy. So he took it out on the demon, thank Ooh. goodness. <laughs> and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples 
when that was done, the disciples came to Jesus in private and they asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Mm -hmm. Nothing will be impossible for you. And in the account, that's the account in Matthew, in the account in Mark, he also adds that this particular demon only comes out through prayer and fasting. But what's interesting in that passage uh, that's been preached about a lot uh, is that Jesus equated perverse, perversion and uh, wickedness, that you unbelieving, unbelieving and perverse generation with lack of faith. And I, I don't have time to go and do a certain, the whole sermon, because this, this could really benefit from a whole sermon because it's a really fascinating passage. Uh, and, and the rebuke is strong. And it goes uh, uh, against the man and his son, but also especially against the disciples who could not cast out uh, the, the demon. And uh, he, he got upset at their lack of faith, at their lack of faith, and also at the way their minds think, at how they interpret things. And I think a big problem with lack of faith is how we perceive God, how we understand God, how we understand his ways. It affects how we believe, if we believe, how strongly we believe. Mm -hmm. So Jesus really, at, at that time, it came out, he got upset, it, it, it frustrated him. It, it, it's, and it's, you know, when you become a parent, and I'm guilty of that. And, and I know those who are, have kids, you'll probably say, yeah, me too. It's happened to me too. When you're trying to teach them to do something like uh, empty a dishwasher or something, we get impatient. They have clumsy little hands. They don't do it the way we do it. They don't do it fast. It's not efficient. <laughs> and it's kind of wasting our time. And it's hard for me <laughs> because I like efficiency. Especially for him, yes. I like efficiency. <laughs> And I can understand how for Jesus, we were like these bumbling toddlers. It's like he was always surrounded with bumbling toddlers. And when he was teaching his disciples, it's like you're teaching a bumbling toddler to do a certain thing. And he was so gracious and, and patient. Yes. But in that passage, he got impatient. It was like that. I've had enough now. Like I, I've had it. <laughs> Maybe he was having a longer day. This that time it just got to him, and uh, and I'm worse than and I'm worse a lot worse than Jesus with my own kids, and and that I, I pray that I become a better dad and more patient and more uh, lenient with their ways of doing things, which are not always to my liking. But the point is, you get the point. That's the point. <laughs> you get the point. <laughs> number nine, number nine. Uh, that was one of the top ones, obviously. You are of your father, the devil. Jesus actually said that to some people. So in John chapter 8, we find that passage during yet another heated argument with his arch enemies, the Pharisees. Jesus really brought it by calling his enemies sons of the devil. John 8, 44 Jesus says, in a heated argument with the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil, 
and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And he said that they're the children of that guy. So, yes, that was... Woo so, like, today people will say, like, Jesus' tone is sterner. I feel like he's stern. Just go back and read your Bible, the New Testament, the Gospels. There's instances where he's a lot more harsh than he is today. So, but but I think I think people are uh, surprised also because you know th they read the context that it's in in this scripture. Oh yeah, I and get they it. think, no, well, I get it. he's talking to me, his daughter, and he's always talked to me in a loving, in a certain voice. way. But he, but he's so still it's loving. like, why is he changing tone and being more stern with me? And kind of like, what's going on? But uh, like I said earlier, I mean, you know, he's making a case for this is the Jesus of the Bible hasn't changed. And so he, he still has very that capable tone. of he's having capable. that tone. Then we still can now. Yeah. But like I said, we have to remember that, um, you know, things are going to shift. Uh, there's a tidal wave coming. We keep on saying it. There's things that the enemy has up his sleeve. And um, so and we're we like that to toddler be, running towards the road. Yeah. And so we have to be aware of these things. He's getting us prepared so that we can fight the enemy, uh, do more spiritual warfare. And I don't know if you ever done spiritual warfare, but it's not like you don't talk in a sweet little tone. Right. You have to mean business. You speak with authority. And so it's the same thing. You know, when um, when he needs to shake us up to make us realize, hey, you know, everything is not. Uh, wonderful and dandy. Mm. A lot of Christians are very used to their um, their routine. They made a routine around church, around you know how they live their Monday to Sunday, yeah. and have gotten very comfortable. And things are not going to be comfortable in 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 the coming months. So um, you know it's very important to be conscious of that and to understand that. We have to go with the flow. You know, the Lord is wanting us to, you know, he He told me to, to, to equip myself more in spiritual warfare. Now, I did have some kind of a foundation, but, you know, I really felt him speaking to me that I needed to equip myself. That I need to learn more for the times that are coming. And so it kind of stayed that way. And I like a, I bought a book or two and it kind of stayed that way. And, um, you know, how a lot of people do, they get the books and we have so many other books to read that we prioritize. And then those kind of kept, were on the side. And, and I even had a dream, like I was dreaming, I was in the deep sleep and I heard spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare. Mm. Like he was telling me, like he was reminding me and anybody that's heard of the Holy Spirit or, you know, you've had the Holy Spirit, you know, that when it's important, he, he comes back and reminds you until mm. you, you get this thing going right until yeah. you take it seriously and so and so that's just an example you know that that these times are critical to get equipped in the right way and um if you're interested in in spiritual warfare and knowing more about how to arm yourself and to um you know fight the spiritual battle um to have more victory in your life there's uh john ramirez 
Um, he's he has a really good course. You can look him up on Facebook, John yeah. Ramirez. He has a good course that just came out uh, for spiritual warfare. He has a lot of books on Amazon, so you can get equipped uh, with his content. It's very good, very good content. Yeah, it is. And I like the, the way you, you say things because <clears throat> and what we're doing today is, is basically showing you that, yes, you know, Jesus, it's not a new thing. I mean, you can have a harsh, harsher, sterner tone. And uh, we can't be surprised because dire times for call for, for more of a, um, you know, <laughs> we're in dire times. And uh, we're going to hear more and more of that tone. And it's perfectly fine. Um, sometimes your, your father will have a, a harsher tone. You know, if, you're, if you've been a kid, and we've all been kids, but sometimes your dad would, would mean business. And he means business right now. And, and I think that it, I like, I really like the saying mm -hmm. that says that Jesus came to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that, that's exactly what these, these, these 10 uh, hard sayings of Jesus kind of uh, show that it, they're afflicting the comfortable. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just want to say something like even um, just about, I would say three months ago now, um, I was praying with my daughter, like we always do before bed. And um, she heard while I was praying over her, she heard, you shall prepare, you shall prepare. And it kept now, repeating. He's talking to an eight-year-old. Okay. So it's the Holy Spirit speaking in her. And he's not saying, tell your mommy that she should prepare <laughs> or, you know, he's, yeah, good point. he said it, you shall prepare. And um, and I heard that voice, that same voice, tell me the same thing. Um, the Holy Spirit was telling me while I was sleeping. He oftentimes speaks to me that way. And it, it kind of is like, um, you know, uh, a message that goes through my mind in a very strong manner. Um, not strong, but how should I say it? it's, it's peaceful, but it's, it's very clear and it's very precise and you can't miss it. You know, it's him and it, it plays over and over again until like I get up and I write it yeah. kind of thing. So I, I know that I don't forget it. And that I had the exact same message. You shall prepare, you shall prepare. Wow. And so, you know, that was just going with, you know, it was, just, it was just confirming. And so, you know, when we get messages like that, we have to ask the Lord, what, you know, what are we supposed to prepare? How are we supposed to prepare and things like that. So, and I knew something huge was coming and then I had the tidal wave dream and all that. And so, you know, the Lord will speak to us in all kinds of ways. Sometimes it's through a rumor word um, in the prophetic, like from a, somebody that said that does prophecy. And um, and so just to show you, you know, these messages that we've gotten weren't sugar coated messages, mm -hmm. you know, <clears throat> and um, like he I, I believe that oftentimes he'll speak in a language that he knows his child can understand him. And if. You know, yeah. if you're if you're able to handle more, obviously the Lord will give you more, and He'll give you more information, especially if you ask more questions. Um, but uh, obviously, if you can't handle much and you're very um, shaken easily, He'll you know try He'll He'll tell you things, but um, sometimes will come out I guess less stern. Well, However, like I said, with the times we're living. He has no choice to speak in a in a matter that's pressing and that's on point because of what's coming. To yeah, warn us. and you know, if you have children, for example, let's just give you an example. Let's say you have a boy and a girl, 
uh, and uh, the, <laughs> the boy is in the Navy. And the girl, and I know you're going to be like, oh my God, that's so stereotyped, but still bear with me. The boy's in the Navy and the girl is an interior decorator who really doesn't like to get her hands dirty. Uh, if war is coming, if you if you know that enemies are coming, uh, are you going to go see the girl say, okay, get ready, grab the gun, come with me? No. You're going to go see the boy who's in the Navy, because, you know, he he's going to know exactly what to do with that word. He's going to be able to help the, the, the sister, the girl. <laughs> he's going to be able to help the mother and it's going to be efficient. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same way. Also, we were having these. The Lord has this different way of talking to each of his children and some children, like she said, can handle it. They can handle a harsher tone, a harsher word. And they kind of know what to do with that. And these are oftentimes, and I think that's kind of sad. They're called doomers and gloomers, mm -hmm. doomers and gloomers. And, and I think that's kind of sad um, because it shouldn't be like that. And of course, there are doomers and gloomers who have been wrong all throughout history, right? So there's also that. So we but, need to consider that, right? That, know, like if you're dooming and glooming and it's not happening and it's not going to happen for another hundred years, well, maybe you should stop dooming and glooming. That's not the point I'm making. But the point I'm making is that uh, we should appreciate the, the different colors of everybody yeah, in the body. But you know, the, the, um, the question is, what are you asking God as well? And no, as a true. person that's, um, that's prophetic, if you're asking the Lord what is coming in 2021 and it, and it isn't pretty, what's coming uh and you know we all know that there's going to be revival and there's going to be transfer of wealth and all kinds of wonderful things that god is doing for the body of christ we know that this is coming but um for there to be revival like we said there has to be shaking right mm -hmm. so it's a bit impossible to ask god a question and not get problems and not get a, a truthful answer god is not a shady person he's not gonna give you a gray answer because it it's pleasing to you yeah, exactly. if the next coming thing is going to shake well he's going to give you that version right before he does the glory and um and the only thing that i find that is sad in the prophetic messages that are given now today is that too many uh, prophets are scared to offend and to scare the body of christ and to uh, put them in fear mode and so they're not truthful in the sense that they're omitting some truth yeah they're trying to, or they're not they're seeing saying, it themselves they're saying you know well there's going to be a shaking but no one knows what that means there's going to be um you know some things that are uncovered and it's all so vague and vague and vague and people are like well okay what do i prefer prepare for like i don't even know what I've to even, prepare for right yeah and so and then, then then so the people are like well i'm just gonna ignore that part and now the person's talking right away about the good stuff okay but there's gonna be revival and there's gonna be this and there's gonna be that yeah. and so the person's like oh great good stuff is coming yeah but you know that doesn't prepare you for much so um i think that prophets need to stop caring about uh how people handle information and be truthful. If the Lord has given you 
a prophetic word and it's it's, it's if it's, it's dire it's, it's dire difficult to hear but it's truth and you know for sure 100 percent that the lord is telling you this you need to be honest with the body of christ and tell them well and, and here's they what, can handle the bad and the good and here's what the holy spirit is telling me right now uh that there's some people in the prophetic right now they're going to be called right now to shift from being in the prophetic encouraging to shift in the, in, in the watchman role, in the role of a watchman. And in Ezekiel 33, it, it says that the watchman who sees the sword coming, if he warns the people and they die, their blood is not going to be requ uh, required mm -hmm. at his hand, uh, on his head. But if he doesn't warn the people mm -hmm. and they die, their blood will be required from him. And I think that's a very, very, very important warning in this season where we need to speak the word of the Lord mm -hmm. the way it comes and 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 not worry. Is it going to offend? There's a way to say things that you can always say it with grace, yeah, but yeah. say it with truth and grace. Don't 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 make it so greasy grace that it's not truth anymore. That it's like what. It, it doesn't even make sense anymore. Like the message is so water, watered down that people don't even understand what you're trying to say. And I think that's a very important thing. But mm. I think and I, I believe this in my heart of hearts and I know it came from the Holy Ghost is that there's some people in the prophetic right now in this hour who are slowly being called to shift their prophetic role into the role of a watchman. And that scares some of you. Some of you are scared because you're 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 not used to getting words like that. You've never gotten words like that, and you don't know what to do with words like that. And and you're afraid that it's going to offend. You're afraid that it's going to scare people. Mm -hmm. You're afraid that you're going you, you might lose your 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 audience. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Speak the words of God the way he gives them to you. That's my encouragement to you. Number 10, we're, let's get back to our numbers because it's already uh, past the and, hour. And, you know, another thing to add to that is, yeah. you know, when you when you get something like that, that might be very intense, um, always ask the Lord, how should I um, tell people to prepare? How should people, uh, you know, protect themselves from a certain thing by a whatever, sword whatever whatever it, it may be you know <laughs> because you always want it you know you can give the message that's um the salty message i'll say and the good the sugar side but you can also you know give the person something to work with because you know a lot of people are in fear mode because people are on the extreme so you have the watchman saying you know, that that side is not any better if they're not putting any uh, grace into it is that they're like, you know, this is going to happen. There's going to be a war and China is going to bombard the U.S. and this and that. And people are listening to that and they're like, OK, I'm in fear mode right now. Like, I'm scared. Mm. I don't know what to do with this. Like, do I go in a bunker, leave my job, uh, you know, just start you know, getting cans, like, what do I do with this? Right. So you can ask the Lord, like, how should people prepare for whatever it is word that you, you just received. <clears throat> and like, when I said, when I understood you shall prepare, you shall prepare. I was like, well, prepare how? And right. I asked the Lord a long time, like many times, you know, 
am I preparing in this way? Okay, so I, I went with the physical, then I went with certain things, did some spiritual cleaning, did, you know, the, the, the bunker thing. Okay, so we got prepared physically, then okay, Lord, I know there's more, there's more to yeah. it. And, and I was pressing in, pressing in. And then he said, spiritual warfare, spiritual mm, warfare. Yeah. So, you know, it's like the, the Lord wants us to press in and to ask him questions and Amen. he'll give you the answers. Amen. He'll tell you how to prepare. Number 10 of the top 10 hardest things of Jesus. Hate your life. What? Hate your life? But Lord, you gave me my life. In Luke chapter 14, verses 26 and 27, we read the words of Jesus. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Again, this is a tough word, a tough word. Uh, there's a great cost, and we don't talk about that much, huh? The mm. great cost of following Christ. We spoke a little bit in the beginning of this broadcast uh, when we spoke about uh, Jesus bringing a sword, division in families, division with your friends, division with people. There's a cost. And here in the West, we're just starting to see it, uh, th that cost, it's, and it's probably going to become more intense We've seen churches persecuted this year. We've seen individual believers persecuted this, this year. And yet this has been go going on in communist countries for years. Oh, you just, you just, did you read years. that? <laughs> no, I didn't. And Muslim countries as well, and communist yeah. countries. So Christians it's already have been fighting been, for their faith for a long time. It's already been going on for a long time in certain countries. So, you know, we're not exempt necessarily from this. We, we, we've been under God's covering and protection for a long, long time in the West. But, you know, it doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. Now, uh, with all the 10, we said all these 10 hard things of Jesus, and we, we kind of corrected the the, the 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 vision of some people that, that are thinking, um, does Jesus still speak like that? Absolutely, he does. When it's necessary, he still does speak like that. Okay, and right now it's becoming more and more necessary, like we said, and it's going to happen. So it's interesting because in John chapter 6, verses 60 to 69, uh, the same thing was addressed while he was on earth, Jesus Christ. Uh, he had said, um, uh, so even in, back in the day, some people found the words of Jesus too hard, too hard to, to, to handle. So in John 6, 60 to 69, it says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Hmm. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? He's asking them a question. Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? In other words, if you saw me in my glory, you would get this. It, it would make it would all make sense to you. Mm -hmm. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. 
He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And from this time on, this is very interesting, verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Mm. And then Jesus said, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus was basically saying, because he had said, and I, and I forget, I, I wish I'd taken it. Uh, John 6, let's just and go that's check still this like out. That. Let, let me just, I just want to check this in John 6, because I want to see what, uh, the, the harder word that he had said it's, previously. It's still like that. You know, whenever there's a, um, a stronger prophetic word or whenever there's uh, a teaching that the Lord puts on the, the heart of uh, of a minister or pastor, it, you know, it, it ruffles the feathers of the congregation in a way that a lot of people just really don't want to hear it. A lot of people just want to hear the sugar-coated words and, um, you know, it reminds me of the Catholic Church. You know, if you go to the Catholic Church and you go to one of their their teachings um, in the past, I've gone long, long time ago, um, you know, because I was accompanying my grandmother kind of thing. And it, it's always very, very Jesus is love. Everything is love and lovey-dovey-dovey. Actually, that was the title I wanted to give it tonight. I wanted to, I wanted to say, uh, Jesus, love, love, love by a sword. <laughs> <laughs> and Les laughed. Or we, we didn't title it that, but it would have been funny. And I just want to get back to the passage uh, to put you people in context, you guys in context. So in John 6, right before the verses 60 to 69 that I read to you guys, uh, Jesus was talking about uh, his uh, the people having to, to eat his flesh and drink his blood to have eternal life and all that because he said he was the bread that came down from heaven. And, and that's when the disciple says, uh, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? And, and it's funny because then Jesus says, what? You find that hard? <laughs> you find that that offends you? Really? But just wait. You're going to really be offended. <laughs> that's basically what he was saying. But you know what? That, you know, that in a way reminds me of a lot of, you know, what, what we've learned in entrepreneurship. Um, you know, they say, be authentic, be yourself, because who you are attracts your tribe, right? Yeah. And basically, that's what's happening. So Jesus is showing his other side. You know, he's showing different facets, different sides of him. And now people are like, well, oh, you're not saying stuff that I really enjoy hearing anymore. So this, this, isn't, this bye -bye. isn't tickling my ears too much. This is so it's going to do a house cleansing for so, sure. So and it's still like that today. It's still like that today in a lot of ministries that, you know, you'll notice that a lot of ministries have the most followers are people that will talk in a certain way that's more ear tickling, that's more positive, that's more, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't force you to look at yourself. It doesn't. Are you um, talking about Joel Osteen? It doesn't make you. Um, <laughs> want to uh, change yourself to look at the sin in your life and try to get closer to God to become more righteous. 
you know, we, we cannot be more righteous and more holy if we don't acknowledge our own sins and we don't look at ourselves and don't do some cleaning regularly. And, you know, to, to, to always be in a church where you're constantly told that, you know, everything is great. Everything's wonderful. And God just wants great things for you. Great thing. That's all great. That's all good. But there has to be like a balance, you know, where the messages have to bring you closer to getting um, cleansed and closer to the Lord. And, and, you know, like there's imperfect things in your life that you need to flush away or that you have to just look at. And, um, you know, the, the, the messages should always bring you closer to sanctification Amen. In, in a lot of ways. And I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about positive things in the Bible, but biblical promises and wonderful things that the God, that God wants for us. But there has to be uh, both, you know, you can't just go in one direction, always stick there. And Liz, God, people, guys, God is the perfect father, he's the perfect father. And I like what Josh McDowell once said in a parenting book, um, I forget, was it a talk or a book, I forget. But he said this, he said, you'll notice that good parents have a balance between love and discipline. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and that's God. God has the perfect balance between love and discipline. Mm -hmm. And he said, and Josh McDonald's did an observation. I liked it. He said, too much love and no discipline leads to rebellion yeah. in, in children. Mm -hmm. And he also said, and too much discipline and no love leads to rebellion. Isn't that interesting that with yeah. our own children, this is this is a phenomenon that is observed. And greasy grace produces, oh, well, I can get away with this. Oh, God doesn't really Greasy like, grace produces lukewarm Christians. This is not going to stop me from going to heaven. It doesn't really matter. I could just like say I'm sorry 50 million times yeah. or, you know, he he's there to forgive my sins, yeah. you know. You have this mentality and then you have the, the Those who the other think version. that he's all about judgment and, and, and I'm coming and I'm going to crush everything. And, and uh, they don't and, let the Christian breathe and focus on anything positive in the Bible because everything is so, you know, we are sinners, we are sinners and, and, and they miss the, the mark there as well. So there's like, it's, there's an important balance. And, and this brings me to uh, about the doomers and gloomers. And we're going to finish with that, but the doomers and gloomers, they have to be careful. Uh, and I used to be one of them and I still am to some degree. I, I, I love reading revelation. I love reading these uh, books about the end times and all that. Uh, but we have to be careful because, uh, when the wrath of God will come upon the earth, uh, don't forget where you live. You live on the earth. It's mm -hmm. probably not going to be fun. Just keep that in mind. Okay. <laughs> so that's a, that's something that uh, you got to keep in mind at all times. So and you don't want to be, here. you don't want to be repeating and speaking words all the time about, um, judgment and, and things that about war and stuff like, you know, we we talk about it on the broadcast, but we don't spend our days going, oh, I wonder if China is going to bombard the U.S. And is there going to be war? And and like, oh, you know, there has to be judgment because look at America. And blah, blah, blah. like we're not talking like this, you know, because we we want to focus on God's promises for our lives. We want to, you know, declare these things. We want to be in that positive realm, um, you know, and be fruitful for God. As long as we can be fruitful for God, that's the direction we're going in. And, you know, God's, God's pleased with Christians that are fruitful, that are trying to make a difference, that are trying to help others, that are, that are making a difference. Whatever it is you're calling that the Lord has asked you to do, just 
do it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. We don't have forever. Just start doing whatever start it doing is. It. And, start, start right you know, now. step by step, he's going to guide you. He's do not despise you. the day of small beginnings. He's Just gonna, start. He's going to equip you. He's going to, you know, he's going to teach you along the way and be fruitful. It doesn't matter if you, you suck at whatever you do at first. If you feel that this is really the direction that the Lord has been tugging towards you, then just go and do it and he's going to bless you. And you're just going to be so happy that you're doing something for him and that you're fruitful in these. Uh, and just for the record, days when you do start and it's your first time, you're going to suck. Just saying. And that's fine because God didn't call us to shine. He just called us to be obedient. Yeah. So uh, you might become good at whatever he's called you to do. And that that's awesome, but when we first start out, uh, we need to rely on the Holy Spirit, and we uh, not just when we first start guidance, out. Yeah. But but the point is, you know, it's going to be baby steps. And it's fine. It's fine. Just trust Him. Exactly. So we're all done. It look uh, important broadcast. I think we we brought some important uh, points that people are going to ponder uh, in this season, in this hour, in this time when. The Lord's tone seems more stern, but there's a reason for it. And no, he hasn't changed. He's was and, the same yesterday, yeah. and he's the same today, and he's always going to be the same forever. So the, the tone hasn't changed. Uh, the Lord hasn't changed. Uh, and remember that he loves you and that he wants ultimately for you to be with him and to be on fire for him. And that's what's mostly important right now. So... You know, I hope that all of this gave you a lot of food for thought, but remember that he loves you uh, more than anything and that no matter what happens, what you see in the physical realm, remember that he's working on your behalf, that he's, um, you know, got mighty angels working in the spiritual realm and just keep on praying and interceding and declaring and, and, and speaking those promises in the Bible that, of what you want to, to come forth in your life and, and stay on track to the positive. Don't focus too much on what you see in the physical realm. Yeah. Be blessed. And thrive on. And if this has blessed you, share it with other people to bless them as well. Yeah, and go check out thrivingonpurpose.com. We have other podcasts and we have uh, resources there that you're going to enjoy that are free. Yeah, and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. And on thrivingonpurpose.com, you can also sign up to uh, be on our email list because right now with everything, with the censorship and all, uh, you know, we don't know if we're going to stay on YouTube, but um, you'll be able to stay in touch with us and know where we're putting our videos and, uh, and we'll keep you up to date on the content that's coming out. So go to thrivingonpurpose.com and just sign up on the front page. So be blessed and thrive on. Have a great week. Bye.